morning and welcome to Recipe for Success. My name is Nancy Giacalone and I have a very special guest today, Pamela Gale Johnson. Um, Pam, can you just say something so we can make sure my audio is okay? Hi, good morning. Yay, yay, this is very exciting. We had some uh, technical difficulties last week and so I wanted to make sure that we were good to go this week. Um, I think I was a little late, so I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay, it's okay, it's all good. We we made it, we're, we're golden. So for anyone joining the podcast for the very first time, Recipe for Success is about finding that special ingredient or technique that's critical to the outcome or success of whether it be a recipe, something in your business or personal life, because there's always one thing that really is critical. So um, we take that and we apply it to our business and personal lives. And today I am so excited to have um, Pamela on as my guest because she happens to be the founder of the Society of Happy People, which, I mean, who doesn't want to be a member of that club? So, um, Pam, could you take a moment and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your career history? Well, um, I started the Society of Happy People back in 1998, so we've been around a long, a long time. At the time, I was working in the self-help field, so... And it was the height, actually, I think, of like self-help and pop culture. We had Oprah, we had Jerry Springer, we had Dr. Laura, we had infomercials to help us with just everything that we might need. So there was a lot of focus on, on the what's wrongs. And I was sort of, and again, I was inundated because I was in the industry. So I sort of said, oh, where are all the happy people? And I went down this path of, I bet they have their own club and they just don't tell anybody about it because they don't want any parade rainers showing up. And then I kind of see a vision of people wearing Mardi Gras masks, hanging around, chit-chatting, and, and just, you know, sharing sharing their happiness. And, and the original focus was really on, are we communicating, you know, is, is are we are, are you happier than you admit you are was actually our original slogan so the question really is are you talking about your happiness as much as you do your happiness zappers that's what we call them now happiness zappers do you talk about that so i thought it would be a cute essay so i tell people about my essay and we were actually called the secret society of happy people for the first 20 years so I would tell them about my essay and I'd say, hey, I'm going to start, the, I'm going to do this essay. What do you think? And they'd go, oh, let us know when you start it. We want to join. <laughs> so I eventually started the Society of, uh, the Secret Society of Happy People. After 20 years, I sort of decided we really weren't a secret. So we dropped the word secret. And so now we're the Society of Happy People. And in that time, I then uh, navigated over to corporate America from working in nonprofits and so I worked um, in sales, business development for Staples and American Express. And so I, I've done that. And, and now I do keynote speaking. I work with organizations to create a more positive, uh, engaged employee culture, happier employees for happier and more productivity and such. And, uh, and so, so that's, that's kind of my career path. I love it. It is very unique. I will honestly say um, I have not spoken to anybody on my podcast that has a similar path to yours. So um, I just, I do think it's wonderful. Um, and I, I was thinking about it when you were talking about, you know, when you started it and we were at the height of, you know, the happiness and everything else. And now I think 
it's probably kind of almost having a little bit of a renaissance or a resurgence because we do talk a lot about self-care and taking care of ourselves and making sure that we have that good mental health space. So recognizing the things that make us happy and that we're grateful for, we talk here a lot about gratitude as well, are good practices to um, focus on the happy pieces of our life instead of focusing so much on what's going wrong because it's so easy to get wrapped up in that. Well, it is because it's a, in some ways it's a pain point. So we have a pain point because something annoyed us or something stressed us out, or we're just experiencing an unhappy moment, which we'll discuss, I know, later. So some of the happiness zappers, it's, you know, we're trying to get relief for that. And ironically, one of the ways to get relief for that is to keep it in balance. Right. If our life isn't at least about 50% of our happiness, if we're not at least kind of not, and maybe not every day, but hopefully more days swing that you're a, a little bit um, heavier on happiness and lighter on the zappers. Um, you know, you might want to consider like coaching or counseling and I do coaching too. And so to, to help you sort of make some of those, those course corrections. And we are in a, so 20 plus years ago, we were sort of in the space of, I would call it, so our inner child type movements of, of, of those kinds of pains. And then the positive psychology movement research came out that Martin Siegelman did at the time. And, and it sort of changed therapy, I guess, if you will, and, and the perception of mental health for a long time. So now we fast forwarded and we've learned so much about our mental and emotional health. And I, I think those are sort of together, but also sort of separate. So we, so we do talk about if you're depressed, and we do talk about if we're experiencing anxiety or we have OCD. And these are just common, common things that are happening. And then COVID came along and sort of exasperated some of those, although we were actually hitting a 20-year low of happiness prior to COVID. So it was already sort of like in the parameters as far as how people were feeling, despite the, as they call it, the, the economic boom. They were like not feeling fulfill, fulfilled or purpose and, and, and some happiness because sometimes we love happiness in a, a big umbrella. So while we're talking about it, it's a little different than the 80s. And I, I do think there's two concerns that we, we have to, to work through on this. One is this culture of toxic positivity, which definitely impacts the workplace. Because sometimes at work, we just try to say, hey, we let you bring your dog to work, so you should be happy, or you're getting to work from home, and you should be, you know, like, whatever the challenge might be going on, we, we, we tend to tell employees, oh, you should just be happy, you have a 401k, or, or whatever it is. And while there's some truth in that, that, that those are some of the factors that can make us happier at work, um, it might or might not impact if we're having a problem with our boss, if our boss wants to run our team like a dictator because they have no leadership skills. Because one of the um, challenges, I think, with leadership is we often take a good individual performer, we make them a leader, and we don't give them any support or training. Right. And so it, it, leadership is a separate skill than individual performance. Now, can they be married? Of course. But sometimes there still has to be a bridge of mentorship and training. So some people can be working with that, or you can work with a toxic coworker that's bullying a team. I've seen coworkers bully a boss, and the boss is sometimes like, I don't even know what to do because this person's 
um, got some some challenges or, or whatnot. So we we have this tendency to have this that element going on, and then we also have a tendency to we want to be sensitive to people with mental health challenges because they are health challenges. So they, they are in that umbrella. So we definitely want to be sensitive and work with that. But we also have to, in the workplace and in our life, put equal time into our happiness and recognizing those happy moments and those feel good moments. And how do we balance that? Like, that's not just a byproduct of the absence of mental health challenges. Or right. Right. Of happiness zappers. It's, it's, it is something we have to, you know, set a mindset for and say, hey, I'm going to live as happy as I can today. And what that means is different for everybody because it depends on what's going on in your, your world, everywhere from work to home to your kids to your family. To, you're just your personal, your personal aspirations. So it's, 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 while happiness in and of itself is easy, I think sometimes the experience of it can be a little bit more, um, I don't even, I don't even want to use the word challenging, but it can be a little bit more difficult than we think because we just take it for granted. We right. just take those times we feel good for granted. So we really do sometimes have to put an effort into those moments that make us feel good. I would agree with that. Um, just a quick question. Is anyone else getting any feedback, um, uh, interference when Pamela's talking? I don't know. I'm, it might just be on my side, but I just want to make sure it wasn't coming through. Um, I'm getting kind of a weird uh, vibration or interference, but um, we'll see if anybody responds. But in the meantime, okay, so along with the Society of Happy People, that's no longer secret, there are three national happiness holidays and one is coming up so tell us a little bit oh um yeah i am getting people are saying that when you're speaking it's staticky so make sure that you're um i don't know if you're using a microphone just make sure that the connection not because then i can't hear you oh okay my ipad so i'm trying to think what might be causing that because they're i'm sorry i don't yeah it's it's actually quite staticky um but um, that's okay. We'll just, uh, we'll work through it. Um, but let's talk about those uh, happiness uh, holidays. Well, August, um, when we actually started the society, about a year into it, we wanted to, um, you know, just encourage people to think about happiness. And at the time, there really was, there were silly holidays, but like, you know, it's pickle day or whatever. But there were a lot of health holidays, but there really wasn't one focused on happiness. So we actually started the first Admit Your Happy Day, which is now Happiness Happens Day. So we started that as our very first holiday. I sent uh, letters to every state office governor to try to get proclamations because I was trying to make it official and that made it official to me. So the next year, people, one of the feedbacks was, well, I couldn't celebrate on the 8th <laughs> or, you know, it's this or that. So we went ahead and just made the whole month of August. Happiness happens month so that you can celebrate anytime you want, as many times as you want. Hopefully it helps you develop a habit of happiness. So you're taking that with you through the year. And then eventually we had some people who said, uh, some schools are not back in school in August. So like kids need more happiness. So we need to do something for kids. So we actually then started Hunt for Happiness Week in January because I do think that, you know, after all the holiday hoopla of the fall, it does, it, it does um, 
sometimes in January, we just have to hunt for happiness between the weather. We don't have spring break for a few months. There's not a lot of holidays. So it's, it's a little bit of a hunt for happiness time. So we created that as a week. And then that was before the big national, international UN holiday that happens in March, I believe. That was like cool. probably a decade before that. Am I so you took, you're still staticky, unfortunately. Um, I'm, I'm not sorry. sure. That's okay. Um, so you've taken all this happiness knowledge and this happiness practice and the way that you coach people on finding more happiness and you turned it into a book uh, called Practical Happiness. The And you have essentially outlined four principles. So let's talk a little bit about that. Well, the first principle is happiness is personal. And so in this world of what I call groupthink, which social media helps facilitate it, it actually goes back to text. There was a time, and I this has to be at least 10 or 15 years ago, when movie uh, producers would really know on Friday night if the movie was going to be a weekend box office success because people were walking out of the theater texting all their friends. And so if they got positive reviews from the first group that went, uh, they, people would go through the weekend. But if all the friends were saying, hey, I didn't like XYZ movie, people quit, quit going. That's sort of transitioned now more into social media. So like I know when I went to see Top Gun, the opening weekend, I was messaging like everybody. I saw so many posts about Top Gun. I mean, how could you not want to see it? Right. Well, exactly. It was kind of group think. Now there is a whole bunch of people who did not go to original Top Gun. So they're still kind of sitting here kind of, cause I was talking to them at the movie theater I was at. They're like, well, I don't know. I don't know. But for those of us who remember Top Gun, we're all like, Hey, I gotta go. And now I need some aviator yeah, sunglasses. The Ray-Bans. Yeah. Yeah. So it starts. So that's kind of group think and, and group think is okay for, for recommendations and some things, but we still all have things that make us personally happy. And it might not make our kids, our spouse, our significant other, our sisters, brothers, friends, whatever happy, but we need to know what that is for us. And we need to honor that and, and engage in that, those activities that make us happy. Otherwise we get lost. If you're only doing what makes other people happy, you eventually wake up and go, hey, what, what am I missing? And maybe it's something as simple as sitting on a park bench, reading a book or tossing some food to the birds or, or whatever that is for you. Or it might be something big, like you may be somebody who needs a bunch of bucket list goals. Like I need to go, you know, hang gliding. I need to go to this place and all of that is okay. So your happiness is personal is, is okay. You've got to include it. The second principle is happiness zappers are manageable. You're not going to be happy all the time. Some days you're not even going to be happy half the time. But your zappers are manageable. And when you approach them from them, how am I going to manage the experience? You're not really a victim to it. You're managing it, even though it might be something that you, you know, don't necessarily want in your life. You're managing it. Like, let's say we all know somebody who's annoying. And it may be somebody we work with. Maybe it's a customer. Maybe it's a coworker. But we're going to know somebody who's annoying. We may not be able to get rid of them. So how do we have some management tool? You know, we can't just go, oh, I'm not going to work with you yeah, because yeah. I don't like you or, you know, you're my customer. I know I used to have some customers in sales that, you know, I'd see their number come up and I'm like rolling my eyes. And I would take five minutes and center myself before I called them back because I knew it would always be not they're not calling to tell me something positive let's just put it that way 
So you're resolving something. So whatever those 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 tools are for you. But we in the book we talk about a zap map, which is a zapper management action plan. So we teach you how to kind of create that. And zap maps need to be fluid. So that's part of managing your zappers. And then the third principle is happiness changes as you change. And I think when I coach people in particular, I have private conversations with people, many times the root of their unhappiness is they're sort of trying to create past happiness. Like they may be like, I, I had a friend one time who said her kids were at a certain age and like, I don't know, seven and 10 or something, but she's like, I wish they could just stay this age forever because everything is so perfect. As they got into their teens, they had normal teen challenges and, and whatnot. And she still was back at that time and is wanting to, you know, wants to have that, recreate that perfect time. But I just want to, I just try to remind people, let's say you have a fa favorite family vacation spot and you go every year. So even though you're in the same place every year, you're having different, different experience. experiences every year. So some years might be happier than other years, but you're never going to recreate even the exact same experience, even right. if you, you, you loved it because things have changed. You have changed. The people around you have changed. Your experiences have changed. We all just went through a pandemic and those pandemic experiences have changed all of us. I, I kind of jokingly say, I will always carry a mask with me because I now know apparently I French kiss everybody and they French kiss me. Because <laughs> apparently when, if we were speaking, I would be projectile spitting on you. I mean, it's, it, it goes much further than you think. And so I remember sitting, talking to somebody once and I'm like, I would not want you spitting on me. I can already yeah. tell, I would not want that. So probably a mask will be in my purse forever, my a little OCD-ness. Um, so again, we've all had different experiences that have changed us. And, and that one's a big one. It was like 9-11. Like now you go to the airport and you're not shocked when they're like really searching your bag right. or if they pull you aside and say, we need to go through your bag. And you're like, oh, I forgot I left that. I forget sometimes to leave bottles of water in a bag. And they're like having to take it out. I know, yeah. Uh, I just, so, I, I just didn't, you know, if I packed back to back trips and there was one in there cause I always keep water on a plane out of habit. Um, you know, we don't think anything about that now. We would have thought a lot about it prior to that. And so I think we're in a cultural, uh, you know, change, but otherwise just experiences can change us. Health, uh, situations can change us. People we know can change us. Maybe we're on a break with somebody that and it can change us. So our happiness is very fluid and changes. And then finally, the fourth principle, probably one of my favorites, because it's how do you, how do you increase your happiness? Happiness is bigger than you think. So we have 31 types of happiness. And in the 20 plus years that I've done this, when I, we even have a happiness counter. So if you want to go get the counter, you just go to SOHP.com slash gift. So SOHP.com slash gift. We also have an app. If you just go to SOHP, there's a counter in there. And I challenge people to take the past 30 minutes and just count every type of happiness you experience. And you could have experienced the same type twi twice. Maybe you were laughing with somebody and you did it four or five times. You can put four or five times. So it counted as four or five happy moments. But how many happy 
moments did you experience in a window of time? And the whole time I've done this, I've had one person who had zero. Um, we were actually at a therapist conference and the therapist really started shaming this poor gentleman. I was like, there gonna be no happy shaming. Maybe he shouldn't, because maybe he didn't. I don't know what's going on in his life. Not for me to judge. Um, but sometimes I, I'll be like, okay, let's do this for the last two hours. And somebody will be like, I had 150 happy moments. And I'm like, wow, that's more than one per minute. But isn't that great? This person right. sees a lot of happiness in their, in their life. And maybe they're just having a great day. I don't, you know, I, again, not for me to judge, but it's just for you to give yourself some benchmarks. And because happiness isn't always just because we're laughing or we're having fun or we're in love. Sometimes happiness is when you uh, dealt with your cranky cross customer and you're relieved because you're like, okay, I can fix this. <laughs> it's over. Right. I got that done. So we're like relief is a type of happiness or sometimes it's just being content. It's just feeling content. Like I wouldn't make a lot of changes or sometimes it's when you do the right thing, being honorable. Um, well, we're going to, we're going to talk about the 31 yeah. types of happiness in a moment. Cause I want to show your little video. Um, but oh, before, yeah, but, but before that's okay. But before we go into that, I actually want to go back to your third principle that about happiness changes as you mm -hmm. change, because I think that is such a big principle. And I think it's overlooked a lot because I know personally as a female who is aging, it is a struggle sometimes because again, we live in this world of social media and all these things. And we get these memories that come up, you get a memory pops up from 10 years ago and you look at a picture of yourself and you're like, Oh my God, was that me? I look so good. What happened in the last 10 years? But it's not just how we look, it's how we feel, it's how we recover, it's how we process things. And to always understand that that life changes and we have to change with it and that we can waste a lot of energy on being unrealistically nostalgic. And I put that, I do put that qualifier in there because nostalgia is nice. It's nice to remember back, oh, wasn't that a wonderful time? But we have to keep it in context that that was a time, it was a point in time that's not now. And I do see a lot of people struggle with that flow of change and, and finding how to stay present and how to find those new um, benchmarks, those new happiness levels, those new, their, their new reality, because we don't stay the same. Well, we don't. And nostalgia, by the way, is one of the 31 types of happiness because we want to have those, those pleasant memories. We, right. we want that to, to, to be there, but the key is to remember they are in the past. They're not right. present. And I, I think one of the challenges is we keep trying to recreate the past. That's what yeah. it is from our physical piece to how we feel. And we're not, and we're not present. We're not in a mind. We're not mindful of, of right. where, where we're at. And because of that, then we end up missing the happiness that's taking place now, even though it might look different than what we thought it yep. might um, might have looked. I, I think that is a, I know when I talk to people that are really struggling with finding happiness, that 
is often part of it. They keep wanting to recreate what was versus embracing what is. Right. And life is going to change whether whether we want it to or not. It's going to, to change. New happiness will show up. And if we embrace that happiness, we, we're kind of lucky because we'll have that nostalgic happiness that can make us smile. And then we have the present happiness that's there as well. Right, right. And that's but why I say there's a, yeah, there's a division. I mean, nostalgia is good, but it can also be dangerous. And, and it's really important to understand what the difference between thinking back fondly on a memory and trying to keep that as your present reality. Well, we also live in a culture that, in my opinion, and this is an opinion, I don't think I've read a study on it. We don't, we don't like when people change. I mean, even, no, I don't want to go down politics, but like, I noticed one of the things I noticed when somebody runs for office, they'll go pull a paper they wrote when they were in college and they're like, well, they said blah, 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 when they were like 19 and you know, now they're 60. And you're like, well, well, they did a lot of living in that 41 years. And so maybe they did change. Yeah. Maybe they evolved. We hope, in fact, we hope they do. We don't really want you thinking like you're 19 when you're 60. Now, when you're 19, it's great to think whatever you, you know, whatever you, you think or do whatever you do. But uh, when you turn a different age, you've got experience. And that's part of embracing those, those, those changes. And we live in a, a society that'll say, but you know, you've got your, you've got a business degree. So why have you decided you want to be an artist? And you're like, well, because I did business for 20 years and now I've sort of retired from that. And I want to make my ceramic faces or paint pictures, or I want to do, you know, I want to do something else. Yeah. And that is yeah. really, actually, that's a great thing because it means you're letting yourself grow and evolve. But yeah. we, like I said, we also live in this society. You, I'm sure Nancy, you got to know somebody that if you said tomorrow, like, hey, I have decided I am going to take three months off and go take, a, I'm going to go hike in Alaska. And they're going to just look at you and go, but why would you do that? And you're yeah, like, no, I, yeah, I, I, I 100%. Agree. Okay, so let's, um, I'm going to play a little video. Now, this is the first time I played a video in the middle. So again, bear with me if this works or doesn't work. But this is um, to a little illustration of um, Pam's identification of the 31 different types of happiness. So let's, let's see if we can do this. kind of exciting. Um, yeah, so I think that the, those are great little, I love the little emojis. I love the little different um, expressions of happiness. And of course, I did see nostalgia pop up there and blessed and gratitude and some of those things. And I did want to actually come back to this because we talked about it just briefly in the beginning. But um, one of the things that, again, you know, 
as as we evolve and times change, we we hold on or we grab on to different words or different catchphrases or or different things. And and we do hear a lot about you know gratitude journals and journaling about your gratitude, which I think is fabulous. Don't get me wrong, but I think we don't often think about those are moments of happiness. If we're grateful for something, generally it's something that actually made us happy. And so. I think happy is such an underused word. We find we look for all these big ways to describe how we're feeling or what's going on, but happy is a great word. Happy is a great feeling. And um, I think that you giving us an opportunity to identify those different emotions as forms of happiness is incredibly important. Well, well thank you. I actually like to define happiness as when you feel naturally good. And so sometimes that is gonna be dependent on what's going on in your your day. Just quite frankly, just goes on in your day. So if you've had a really chaotic day, so you're just like, uh, you're, you may not be feeling quite frankly grateful and the gratitude blessings people get annoyed when I say that, but you might not be because you're just like relieved because and you feel better than you felt maybe 30 minutes before. You're just relieved to finally sit on the couch and, you know, chill to something, either music or something right. you watch on Netflix and just kind of escape. You're like, oh, the kids are in bed. Homework is done. I can just take 10 minutes and just breathe and do whatever it is I need to do because you're feeling a little bit relieved. But maybe your happiness is just this little stair step. And then some days, let's say you're having an anniversary party for something or it's your birthday. You might be way up here on the fun, the fun type of happiness, you may be at a higher vibration of happiness. So I think of happiness as different vibrations, but most of them still get to that place of feeling just a little better than you did before. And I think gratitude sometimes makes people feel guilty because they like, I will say on my worst day, I live a blessed life. But on my worst day, I may not be feeling blessed, even though my mind knows I am blessed. Right, right. It really gets into what you're feeling. But I might find something amusing. I might, in fact, I was I was looking out the window the other day. I was trying to figure out a solution to something. And I see this cute little squirrel and he was holding it. He was, I couldn't tell what he was eating, but he was just sitting there eating and he's super happy under the tree. And I just started laughing at this squirrel because I'm in my own head. I'm somebody who's easily amused. So in my own head, I start having a conversation with the squirrel. And, you know, we're just chit-chatting about life and summer and, and his little snack there. Now, some somebody else might think that's just too silly and they would never do that. And, and that wouldn't make them happy at all. And that's, again, that's happiness is personal. But it's, it's um, sometimes, but that made me feel good in that moment because I was in that place of, running on a little treadmill, right. like, okay, that doesn't work. That's not working. This isn't working. What, what is it I need to do to, to, to solve something? And, you know, like I said, the little squirrel made me, made me feel better. And, you know, eventually I found a solution. So I, I think happiness again is a, is in some ways a more complicated experience than we, we just want to lump it under an umbrella and it's, it's much more complicated, I think, than that. And, and when we start looking at it that way, though, ironically, we actually find more of it. Right. Um, I know. I, I can see that for sure. Okay. Well, let's flip the script a little bit and talk about what you like to call as happiness zappers, or as I like to call things that piss me off. Um, but... <laughs> 
And that is that is your <laughs> personal happiness is personal. So let's let's talk about what is a happiness zapper and how can we manage them? Well, happiness zappers are just those experiences that kind of they're kind of like a I think of it like a tick, you know, they seep away our happiness, you know, they latch onto us and, and they do that. And they're, but I have those divided into categories as well. So the biggie is unhappiness and unhappiness is usually associated with grief and it may sure. be literal, like somebody or a pet died. It could be that big of a grief, but it could also be a job change. Maybe the manager you loved and you love working for, Maybe they left or maybe your company got bought by another company and you have a new culture coming in and you're having to grieve that loss or just maybe your BS, BFF at work got a new job or maybe you're estranged from a family relationship or a friend. Maybe you have a health challenge and your doctor's like, you're not eating that anymore. So, yeah. so it's the biggies. It's the big things that, that you don't just wake up and go, oh, I'm going to be happy today. You just, you have to go with the flow they're kind of like a river and you just have mm -hmm. to and it sort of manages you but if you know that if you know that then your expectation isn't it's going away tomorrow your right. expectation is i'm going to have to go with the flow and sometimes i'm going to need that five minutes to go you know hit the wall or cry or yell or whatever it is i need to do then we have stress because i know no one who gets through probably even an hour. what is that i don't know what that is that thing that pisses you off, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and there's actually familiar with it. There's good stress, like say you're planning a wedding. Yes, yes. That's good stress. Excitement so, stress. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it does all the same things in your body that that bad stress does, sort of. So you don't you can't have too much of that either. But it's again, it's just it's managing it. And we all manage stress and even different stressors different. So somebody it might be going to run, somebody else might want to go do yoga. Somebody else might want to deck a wall. Somebody, you know, we, we may need to create a plan, whatever it is. And it can also vary day to day. So if I didn't get enough sleep last night, I may be more stressed today over everything. Absolutely everything is stressing me out because I'm like, I'm tired and I need a power nap. And then if I got enough sleep, like so a lot of stuff, you're like, okay, that's just no big deal. I'm not gonna, it's not even right. going on my stress plate. And then the next one is fear. Fear is a zapper, and, and I always like to preface this, if you are in a legitimate, scary situation, your house is burning down, a hurricane is coming to your house, somebody is being emotionally or physically abusive, take appropriate action, because there are legitimate, real fears. You know, if there's a snake, don't go grab it. You know, it's, there's, there's legitimate fear, unless you, you know, are a reptile handler or whatever, but know what, know what you're doing if you do. Um, there's legitimate fears, but a, most of our fears, or right here between our two temples and they stop us from doing things that might or might not make us happy like if i've never jumped out of an airplane with a parachute i don't know if that makes me happy or not but i don't want my fear of heights to stop me from doing it if i really want to do it right it's right really on my bucket list like i just want to see see the world from that elevation i don't want to stop that because of my fear now there's so maybe i need coaching maybe i just need to go watch it maybe i need to talk to somebody but we don't want fear to stop us from trying new things and experiencing things or talking to a stranger because they that stranger might be your new best friend right you just you just don't know so fear the next one is chaos so if you're living i guess right now is it in yellowstone where they've had all the flooding 
and your house just got flooded out on the river that I saw in the news the other day. That is an obviously chaotic experience and it's going to give you stress and all these different things. But the actual chaos itself of you trying to decide if you were evacuating, if you're, what you're doing, what am I grabbing to take with me, that is usually temporary. And temporary may be a few days, but it's it's still a usually temporary right. experience. And so if you wake up late because your alarm didn't go off and the dog escapes and you're, you're in that chaotic place, just tell yourself, this is temporary. This is short term. I'll get through it. I may move on to a couple of other, other zappers, but this is temporary. And I think that's how you identify chaos. And then the final one we have the most control over, that's annoyances. So what annoys you one day might not annoy you another day, but let's say you think somebody was rude to you, whether they're at work, your family, your spouse, your family members, whoever, the barista. If you think somebody was just not you know, valuing you like you like to be valued or something. Um, you don't, you may or may not know what's going on with them, but bottom line is my rule of thumb on that is, will you remember it a year from now? And if you can truly say, no, I won't just let it go. Cause it's an annoyance and it's zapping your happiness and it doesn't have to. Um, and then, so with each of these zappers, like I said, in the book in practical happiness, we actually have how to create your own zap map. And we have lots of examples because the beauty of practical happiness is I interviewed over 60 people for it. So we have stories from 60 people that really help you identify, you know, it's, it's showing practical happiness in action right? Of, of real stories. And so it shows you how to create those zap maps to, you know, zap your, <laughs> to zap your happiness zappers. zappers. That's awesome. Okay. So last question before we move into the final section. Um, and I just want to clarify this. I know you said it, but I think it's important to to say it again, is that we're not going to be happy all the time. Just because we right. are trying to recognize happiness and create more opportunities for happiness doesn't mean that we should expect to feel happy all the time. Correct. Practical happiness is about, is about realistic happiness. So it's right. ultimately about managing your happiness zappers and identifying more happiness that's yep. in your life through the three other principles. So it's, like I said, managing your zappers is probably about 50% of your, uh, of your happiness. Studies have shown that somebody who would rate themselves as mostly happy and somebody who would say they're mostly unhappy, they actually have a similar number of experiences that zap their happiness. What's different is their mindset and how they're managing those experiences. Very cool. I love it. Well, um, I think it sounds like um, a fan. Well, I not think I know I have a copy of the book. It's fantastic. So um, if you have not, if you have never heard of this, um, I highly encourage you to pick up a copy either from Pamela's website. Um, it is on Amazon. Yeah, it's on Amazon. It's you should go get it at yeah. a bookstore. Yeah. It's an all, all online yeah. retailers. So, anybody should be able to order it for you. Yeah. But if you go to my website, you can see those links. Like if you want to go to your indie bookstore or whatever, you'll you can see those links and sign up for our VIP club and you get like all the handouts and the charts and the activities in the book. You'll get those emailed to you and you get and you also actually get a happiness planner. Nice, nice. We all need to plan more happiness. Okay, so we have made it to the end section, which are my five burning questions. We always start off with the same question because I love it. Um, and it is, what is your absolute favorite food in the world and can you cook it? 
That was a hard one because um, my happiness with food changes. <laughs> it kind of changes based on my mood and the temperature and where I'm at. So um, I probably can't cook it. I do, but probably one of my go-to favorites is chicken marsala at a. Mm. But it has to be really good chicken marsala because some. It goes without saying. Huh? I said that goes without saying. Well, yeah, some some places think they have good chicken marsala and they really don't. And I've never mastered or found the right marsala wine to make it with. So I do keep, I do try, but I have not successfully mastered cooking that. But I do, okay. do love a good chicken marsala. Oh, don't we all? It's so yummy. Okay. So what's the one character trait that you admire most in other people and why? resilience because I was thinking that was a hard one I had to really think and they couldn't I was like hmm it, resilient people just sort of naturally pick themselves up and they also are for the most part naturally optimistic so the, there's there's a piece about resilient people that they they don't let themselves stay too much in in the chaos and the trenches and the and happiness zappers. They they think they naturally manage them. They naturally move into a management mode, and they may be letting themselves grieve. You know, like they may say, "Hey, I have to close my office for two or three days because I'm just having to deal with whatever it is." Maybe they had a bad health diagnosis, whatever it is, but they go into a management mode. And I, I, I admire that because I don't know that we naturally teach that or and culturally. And I don't know that we even, I don't even think we support it as much as we should. Well, um, I would agree with that. Um, it's funny. I actually just did a video the other day about resilience um, because I was thinking about it so much. And I was thinking about also how my definition of resilience has changed over the years. Um, and what has it changed? Well, for me, it always felt like the ability to immediately bounce back. And now as I'm, again, getting a little bit older, the bouncing back takes a little bit longer, um, both mentally and physically. So mm -hmm. I, I thought that was interesting. But but what I was going to say about the resilient and resilient people and the lack of support is I would consider myself to be a very resilient person. And I generally, I know I'm always going to get through something and I tend to look for the next positive thing. But when I have a moment, when I just want to wallow in my own garbage for a day or two, it's hard for people to accept because they're so used to me being, okay, I'm going to take the next step. I know what to do next. And so when a resilient person says, I'm not feeling resilient today, it freaks everybody else out and they don't know how to support you. Um, but I, I, I think you're not alone there, Nancy, because we're dealing with this almost epidemic of people feeling burned out. Yes. And it's because we, we sometimes want to pretend and it's the toxic positivity. I mean, there's yep. a lot of contributing factors that go into that, but Sometimes I remember when I was a kid, if you got a cold, the doctor told you to stay in bed for a week. You'd probably miss yeah. school for a week. And now we're like, how do we get this person back to work or back to school in like 24 hours? Like what right. can we do? And when the reality is your body is just kind of saying, Hey, I need to shut down. Maybe not for a week, but for, I need some shutdown time. I right. need some right. time that you're not stressing me out, whether it's emotionally, physically or whatever.
that's why you got this this cold or sinus infection or, or whatever. And, and and I think this identification of burnout, whether it's at work or home or in our personal lives, I think people are reevaluating that. And it's bigger than age. You've got 19-year-olds who are, quote, burned out. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Okay, so now I'm going to um, turn the mirror on you. And I'm going to ask you, what is the character trait in yourself that you're most proud of and why? I, you know, I'm probably resilient, but I, I'm also naturally, I think, for the most part, optimistic. It may take me a little time to work through it and to get there, but and as I get older or wiser, I like to call it wiser because I don't like the word old, but older, but as I get wiser, I'm also less reactionary. And so I'll give myself like, okay, I don't have to decide this now. And I think when I, my younger self would always be like, I got to make my plan now. I got to get it figured out now. And like, ah, let's give it a day. And I let right. myself go through that piece because I know that things are going to work out. Like part of that optimism kind of shows up like, Oh, I can, I can just let this kind of work out. And, it, and it's a combo, like I said, the optimism right. and resilience. Nice. Okay. If you could encourage people to do one thing, only one thing to improve their happiness level, just to help them be a little bit happier, what would it be and why? Well, I'll give you a science based one and then I'll give you a mindset based one. But the science based one goes back to a Harvard study that started well over 70 years ago now, maybe closer to 80. Uh, and actually JFK was even in it originally. So it, it goes back a long time. And what we learned is your relationships. If there's one key to happiness, it's your relationships. Now it doesn't mean you need hundreds or thousands of relationships, but you do need probably more than one, even if you're an introvert or whatnot. You do need a few people in your life that you feel have your back. And what we know as you get older, these folks experience less physical pain. They experience more joy. They're actually usually a little healthier. So if you have to do one thing, make sure you have, you know, your posse, you know, whatever that is, your spouse, maybe your kids, but also some friends in your posse that, that you just, you know, if you call them at three in the morning, I jokingly say the group of people who would bail you out of jail and you would bail them out of jail, no yep. questions asked. That I think would be number one. And then, the, the more of the mindset one that's not scientific based is I would say, go get that happiness counter, SOHP.com slash gift, and, and really start thinking, where can I see more happiness? Just where is more happiness in my life? And start holding yourself accountable to that. You're not going to see all 31 types. You'll probably gravitate to four or five. But if, you get, if you're familiar with the other ones, when they happen, maybe they don't happen as often you're going to notice them and it, it is really an easy, quick way to fill up your happiness bucket. Nice. And uh, I just saw um, my mom, actually, I'll put pop it back on there, said, start smiling, put a smile on your, I'm sure she meant put a sample, put a smile on your face and then you will feel better. No scowling. Um, and I do tend to agree with that too. I know that when sometimes when I even just um, force myself to smile, something physically changes and I can, I can generally, you know, well, scientifically, it kicks off all those feel good endorphins. So yeah. even a fake smile will do that. And actually, there was um, a story. This is from probably twenty years ago too. 
organization in New York hired an acting coach to come in and teach a sales team to smile. And their sales like increased 20 or 30% within three months. Yeah. Because even smiling when you're on the phone will give you different results because you're feeling good. Yep. Yeah. I can definitely see that. Okay. Um, so I love this one. What is your secret talent or something people would be surprised to learn about you? That I'm an introvert. And I don't know if that's a talent, but I like to read. So I'm like, so think introverted holidays. Like I love, I love deep conversations with people. Um, but I do hit a threshold and, and people, like I said, think I'm an extrovert person and I'm like, okay, I have to go meditate now. I have to have 10 minutes of my legs up the wall because I just have to get re recentered. And I don't think people always see that in my public per persona. So I don't know if it's a, a talent that I love introverts or other introverts. And um, so I'll do a shout, a shout out for the talent of introverts to recharge. I love it. Okay. Last question. So who's one person, um, maybe it's somebody that it, uh, it could be a famous personality. They have a podcast that you've connected with on LinkedIn that you would most like to sit down across the table and have a deep conversation with. So I don't know why lately, but I keep quoting Audrey Hepburn. Oh, so I'm going to go with the classic uh, Audrey Hepburn because she, I think she was optimistic and she was, um, resilient and she was wise beyond beyond and she did things for women you know and she was she was a leader in her uh, you know ahead of her time to some degree and then i actually saw the cnn documentary on marilyn monroe and i think she asked i think she how smart she was gets missed right so yeah i i would I would also love a conversation with her. Um, well, so I'm going for the classics. I don't know why. No, I, I love that. I love it because I know no one has ever identified either of those two people. So I love that you chose them. So that's wonderful. But plus, of course, we can't, both of them were so chic. I mean, you, you can't help but love that as well. So that's, that's always great. Well, thank you so much uh, for coming on the show today. And again, for anybody that wants to learn more about Pamela's book, about the society, it's shop.com. Is that correct? No, SOHP.com. SOHP. Society of Happy People. And then you can you can check out your happiness map, your counter. You can also, it's good information there. If for any reason you can't find it, please either message Pam or message myself, and we will make sure that you are connected with the right link. And again, just thank you so much. Um, and I know that uh, my happiness counter is definitely up for today. Oh, great. Thank you so much for having me on, Nancy. This was so fun. Thank you. And uh, we'll see everyone next week.